Quincy, and I've got Ray Haynes in the studio, our general manager. We're making our way through this insight into the Day of Atonement, and now we're making our way back to the garden. Could you ask for a better destination? No. All right, so think of this. Keep this in your brain the whole day. Jesus was enthroned in the eternal tabernacle and is enthroned in the eternal tabernacle in heaven and has been enthroned there from eternity past. So when you think of the tabernacle, make sure you always keep in mind it's in heaven too. It's in heaven. Now, of course, he had the tabernacles, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, they're enthroned. Then God made earth, man, the Garden of Eden, which was the first earthly tabernacle. What is a tabernacle when it comes down to it? It's where God could walk and meet with man. Genesis 2.15 says, Then Jehovah God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to tend and to keep it. Keep those words in your brain also. There are two Hebrew words here. Tend is avad. It means to work, to serve, to worship, to obey. Avad. Keep is the word shamar. It means to watch, to guard, to observe, to protect, to preserve. Again, preserve. To hedge about as with thorns. So keep is often used of watchmen and shepherds. All right. So you're tending and you're keeping. That's what the command was. You got two jobs. You got to tend this place and you got to keep this place. Both words were used together for the first time with Adam and Eve, not surprisingly, in the garden. It's the description of what their day-to-day job was. But man obviously defiled that tabernacle when he allowed Satan's entrance and then sinned. Yom Kippur was very likely, once again, the day of the fall of Adam and Eve. So when man failed to avad and shamar, to tend and keep, they failed their calling and purpose in the garden. They also destroyed their ability to meet with God in that garden tabernacle. That's what they were. That's all you got. You got one job. But they did not do that. So on the first day of atonement, if you think of it that way, God sacrificed an animal for its blood and skins to cover the nakedness of Adam and Eve as a result of their sin. Later in Psalm 91, he prophesied how he would cover them forever as Messiah. He will cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you'll find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. Mm. Wow. His faithfulness will cover you. But that day it would have to wait. God drove them out of that garden tabernacle because their sin caused separation. Interestingly, one of the Hebrew words for covering is lot, which means veil. It's a covering that separates humanity from the light of God. We find it in Isaiah 25, 7, only appears once. Isaiah said about the coming kingdom, he will destroy the covering, the lot cast over the world, talking of Jesus. In Luke 17, Yeshua, Jesus, was prophesying about his second coming and described it as, when the Son of Man is revealed. The word revealed means to take the cover off, interestingly enough. In the ruins of Eden, God still desired to dwell with man, and this reality meant the need for a new tabernacle, where God and man could dwell together. Now, not in perfection, because man was now sinful, but in a way that God could meet with him without destroying him because of that sin. To see that, we need to go forward from the garden to the time of Moses. That's about 2,500 years. As we do, we need to tune our ears to the voice of God a moment and talk about one of the challenges of translating the Hebrew into English. 
One of the things we miss is when translators make unnecessary changes to things like the titles of books, like the one we know as Leviticus, right? Leviticus is Latin. It means of the Levites, because on the surface, the book seems to be primarily concerned with members of the priestly tribe of Levi and their duties. So the English variation of this, of the Levites. But of course, that's not what God named the book. And it's a significant part of the reason, I think, God's purposes and plans for that book are lost in translation. Mm. In Hebrew, Leviticus is called Vayikra, Vayikra, because it's the first words of the book. Every book that Moses wrote the Torah, that's the name of it, the first words. And those that Vayikra, the first words are called to. From verse 1, Yehovah called to Moses. Think about that. Mm. You're thinking, Leviticus, that's not what it's called. And Jehovah called to Moses. Now, if that sounds familiar, well, it should. It's the fateful words of God to Adam and Eve in the garden following their sin. Jehovah called God. Jehovah God called to Adam and said to him, where are you? Mm. Now, that's ironic, isn't it? God is calling out to Moses from the newly built tabernacle, which has replaced the fallen garden tabernacle. He's now dwelling above the mercy seat so that he can be near his people. And he's delivering instructions for the sacrifices that allow his people to draw near to him. The phrase Jehovah said appears more than 50 times in Leviticus, more than any other book of the Bible. Psalm 145.18 sums up the heart of the book. Jehovah is near to all who call upon him, to all who call upon him in truth. The book Vayikra, or Leviticus, is primarily about intimacy. It's God calling out to us so we can respond in the same way and drawing near to him. The book of Leviticus, Vaikra, isn't a dry book of rules or a chronicle of the Levites. It's God revealing a way for us to return to Eden. Most importantly, Vaikra or Leviticus, with its wilderness tabernacle with God's indwelling presence, was a profound picture of the Messiah and his cross. God was prophesying what he was going to do to redeem, redeem us through the Messiah, and he's calling out to us would be the first step. Matthew 3, in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of Jehovah, make his path straight. So I think it's an important detail. It's a little thing. It's just the name of the book, but it also helps you understand the heart of God towards us. So the garden tabernacle no longer a home. We're going to look at a new home and see what God intended. And I tell you what, we're going to learn a lot from that one, the, the desert tabernacle coming up next.